please stand by for another episode of Wired Shut. Welcome to Wired Shut. I'm your host, Jesse. He's your host, Logan. Oh, fuck, he's energetic today. I know, right? I just got a Thai massage and a um, Thai woman stood on top of me and beat the shit out of me, basically. Isn't that one of the best feelings? Just, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I may cry. <laughs> this hurts. <laughs> I twist my body into knots and... By God, a woman that is barely half my size apparently has the power to take that out. Yup. Oh, they bend you into, in so, so many ways. Yeah. It's, uh... Not the good kind like you want? Is that where you were going with that? Yeah. Well, no, it is the good kind, exactly like you want. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're big men. It, it's hard for, to find people who can actually hurt us. <laughs> yeah, this is true. We thick boys. Welcome to <laughs> Thick Boys Podcast. T H I C C C C C C C C C C C C C and then we just trail off until the episode ends. Um What's happening? Um Ooh, what have you done? What have you seen? What have you played? What have I done? What have I seen? What have I played? Ah, oh, I'm always feeling like you've put me on the spot, sir, but this is something we're literally playing for every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. I always have to jump straight back into like Netflix and Plex and be like, what am I watching right now? Ah, oh, Watchmen. Right. Do you use Plex? Yeah, I've got access to somebody else's media server, so I just um, I've got a bit of a uh, a server basement scenario thing going on that sure, they sure, maintain. Sure. So, sure, 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 cool, 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 Now that you've introduced some stuff, I watched Daybreak. Oh yeah, my flatmates are watching that right now. Show about the like kids. Is it like? It's actually really good. Is it like Enzidonia's The Tribe? No, that definitely came to mind, but no. Um, um, it's the thing that I find funny about it is that it's really, really woke in its subject matter, and it doesn't piss me off. Yeah, because I am a grumpy old man who doesn't like how the world is changing. Yeah, naturally. Yeah. For new, this, new listeners of the this, show, Logan is an eighty-year-old man. He, yeah, he enjoys a good Thai hand jibber. <laughs> Eighty-year-old man with the beard of a sixty-year-old. Dag and nobody comes from a generation where men were thick, with multiple C's. Thick boy. Um, it's it manages to be both woke and realize how stupid that sounds. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it it still has its heart in the right place. It is a comedy, right? In aspect, like it's yes. a comedy drama, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a comedy that'll occasionally dip into seriousness at sort of the right times. Yeah. 
Oh like, man, it's got um, it's got acquitted um, <laughs> acquitted, <laughs> acquitted murder, acquitted manslaughter, vehicular manslaughter. Um, TV actor Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Broderick. Who is clearly dressed up as a ripoff of a um, what are the California like cops called on Fallout New Vegas? Uh, the Rangers, to... yeah, California Rangers. Okay. Any um, ah, oh, cool. They've got nicknames in the in the show. Neat. Nick who? Uh, uh, they've got like post-apocalyptic names. Uh, yeah, got real names. So in pretty there. much, um, the they don't really say where it comes from, and it sort of implies that everyone just was stupid and shot each other at the same time. Mm but chemical weapons have turned everyone but um, everyone over 18 into zombies. Right, okay. But they're not they're not your average zombies. Uh, zombies they 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 matter like thing, things like shopping lists or oh there's a sale on a hot topic or and they just walk around looking like um Bored urban wasters, right? Yeah, that they're completely just until like they see burnt like out and smoked out, blood or something, and then they run over and try and eat you. Right. Okay. Oh, that's cool. So it, it plays on. Um, obviously, it's for... mocking. Um, it's mocking LA. Yeah, to the yeah, yeah, yeah. To to the nth degree, to like it's. Their lifestyles are so ingrained and burnt into their brains that even when they're um, even when there's literally nothing left of them, they're still. <laughs> Yeah, Mushroom and it's, it's set shit. in Glendale, so like, it's established California. that they're all yeah. kind of wankers. I mean, they played on that to less comedic intent in uh, Dawn of the Dead, right? Where, like, over time, they will fall just back into habit. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it follows that sort of logic, but um, they're not... It was actually the... Because initially I was like, oh, it calls them, and this is starting to wander into spoiler territory, but mm. um, it initially calls them ghoulies, and I'm like, really? This is another thing that's doing the old... Not going to call not. them zombies. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, there's like a scene where the main character's like, yeah. Calls it out. I fucked up. I got to hack my own arm off because I got bit. Mm-hmm. And he like tries, and he's been running around with a blunt samurai sword that is part of it's sort of like a running joke that he loves this sword, but every time he tries to use it, it just doesn't cut through anything properly. Right, right. Like he his first swing, he just locks it in some guy's hand between a couple of finger bones, and they just get stuck uh-huh. together. Which basically, yeah, meets that teenage expectation of a zombie apocalypse, where the first weapon yeah. you'd try to pick is a sword that you bought from a cheap um, gypsy yeah. fair. <laughs> Yeah, he, he literally just like finds it in a pawn shop and goes, Oh, samurai sword. Yeah. Um but yeah, he tries to hack his own arm off, fails miserably, just gives himself a gash in his arm. <laughs> then is I guess decides that he's gonna like start with his fingers and work his way up in chunks. Lops one of his fingers off and then one of the other characters runs in the room and goes, What the fuck are you doing? They're not zombies, you retard. <laughs> Uh, so it calls and he just fights. <laughs> so it calls out pretty early on that it's um, it's an it's, apocalypse, it's but not they're not zombies. Rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's pretty funny. 
Um, and like, yeah, Matthew Broderick's character is one of the only two adults shown. Mm. Um, and it was basically the idea is that the the school they go to, the, where he's the principal and the other character that survives as a teacher, mm. the pair of them were, um, um, what's the word? Like the, the the school was an old school from like the forties or whatever, so it was borderline bomb proof. Right. Okay. So they survived. So that's the... why they survive. Yeah. 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 Lead paint. Um, nice. Pretty much. Well, I think Matthew Broderick actually hides in a in a bunker bomb shelter. Yeah, which is like just in his principal's office for some reason. Um, well, I think the female teacher somehow partly survives because she had like a horrific brain injury. Right. Okay. Because Matthew Broderick pushed her down a staircase. Nice. Classic Broderick. <laughs> <laughs> Classic bro. Hey, the brats still got it. Bro Derek's at it again. Classic broad. <laughs> Just bright guys who will start <laughs> high-fiving when they see him kill some random woman. Uh... Um, it's It dips in and out of, like, it's extremely fourth wall breaking. Right. Uh, it starts off very... Um, I mean, you've got a character sitting so on a school like bus. Zombie land. Yeah, yeah. Where the, the main character actually talks directly to camera and other ca- characters will freeze while they do that. Which is probably why they've got Bro Derek in it, right? It's essentially just a zombie version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, I never made the connection. Yeah. That makes sense why the uh, uh, a review talked about it that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I don't... I don't... We didn't have classic American upbringing, so that movie has no. Yeah, we, we didn't really gr- we didn't grow up on John Hughes movies, so we only know yeah, them as references. Yeah, same way I'm like, yeah, Back to the Future is good, but it is not the cornerstone of <laughs> yeah movies for whatever reason. It's we, we we understand John Hughes movies based on the um, scary movie parodies that came after it, and um, Simpsons, yeah. Simpsons references that. Um, um, used yeah. those formulas I, I was, to tell their own. I was stories. more a fan of John Waters movies. <laughs> Oof. Not not watching them, just telling people I watch yeah. them. Ah, uh, the old days of Sky, where they play the same couple of John Waters movies over and over again. Did, did he do Fast Times at Richmond High? Uh, no. Ah, that's just a movie title. I don't know what it's about. Um. I can name check American shit. That's about all you got to do, right? You didn't actually have to live it. Yeah, no, and like it, it, it happened so long ago that no one's expecting us to have actually watched it now. We just yeah, need to understand I mean, the references be. that people from a different generation make when they talk about it. Well, it was a Cameron yeah. Crowe film, that's why. No, it wasn't. It was written by Cameron Crowe. <laughs> the creator of that movie based in Hawaii with no Hawaiian characters. Ah, oh, we bought a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> we bought a Maui. Um, yeah, what is Aloha? It, is it like just a terrible movie? Yes. Wait, his, and, and, his movie that he did after Aloha was called Roadies? That's our movie. What? <laughs> Son of a bitch. It's a TV show. Oh, man. Oh, that, movie, that show, Roadies. Yeah. I think I've watched that. 
Of course he did. It it's got Carlo Gugino in it. Gugino? No, that's Gugino? right. I didn't watch it. This, yeah. And then Imogen Poots. <laughs> Which is just a funny name. <laughs> the Poots. <laughs> the Pootster. Pootster and the Broad. <laughs> it's morning radio. <laughs> Bootster and the bra. But they aren't even referring to Bootster. Date rape. Bro Derek. Um, but it's... The only thing... I I thought it would dip more into just... Um, the, the horrific violence for violence sake. Because these are just high school kids that have gone a bit... Um, bit... Uh, what's the word... Boys on the Island, Lord of the Flies. All oh, right. Um, I thought it would just be a lot more like that. Uh, was it something or other? Boy, the like neon eighties post-apocalyptic movie that was horrifically violent. Oh, uh, with the uh, that had neon did, did it did it have Jay, I don't know. Did it have Jason Momoa? That one? Nah, no, no. It's it's got an Australian dude from, and he just plays like. Wastelander, and it's got um, is it a show a guy, or a movie? It's got Michael Ironside in. Um, he's the bad. Neon City Tur- Turbo Kid Turbo, Turbo Kid. Kid. There's also a different movie with Michael Ironside in it in a post-apocalyptic neon world called Neon City. So I'm just throwing it out there that we that did. I've seen that that was trash. Yeah. That was one of those I saw it on DVD one time and I went to it and was like, yeah. On the David. Yeah. No, I thought it would be more Turbo Kid where it's just like people are throwing. I mean, like one of the bad guys on Turbo Kid's just a guy in a mask wearing um, uh, American yeah, football yeah. pads that just like shoots circular saw blades at people that like hack limbs clean off and it's all. You know, somebody gets shot with a shotgun, they'll just probably explode in half, like that type of violence. Yeah, that movie it was a lot more subdued than I thought it would be. That movie's got great ratings, but it also had three directors. It's it's a um, is it a TV series? It's not a wide release film. It was oh, yeah, like okay. straight to a. It was a, it was a um, indie festival darling yeah. movie. It's got ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's great. Have you not seen it? I don't think I have, no. That's right. Um, Cullum and I went and watched it at the Lido as part of the film festival. Oh. That's why I saw it. It's it's a great fucking movie. Adding it to the list. But yeah, I thought this movie would be a lot more... Uh, this show would be a lot more like that. Just the horrific kind of unnecessary but necessary or explosions yeah like whereas it's a lot more um, orange county about itself (laughs) (laughs) there is violence there like you know one guy gets a grenade thrown towards him and he kind of looks down at it and then next thing you know it's just a bunch of people running away or getting blown away and his body's just sort of like looking around with no head on it yeah there's that um dang um there's uh, um, there's a Turbo Kid too. What? I know. It might not. Like finished? No, because it talks about their last film, then it's 2018, and then Turbo Kid 2. 
but the, then hang on, directors Turbo Kid Two. It's in pre-production. Whoa. But it was last updated in 2017, so I don't know if it is actually in pre-production. It might not be a thing anymore. It's hard to say. Well, that sucks. Yeah, there's almost no information online about it. But it it's it wasn't super. It wasn't a super big movie, so I wouldn't be super surprised if you just didn't make didn't yeah. about it until. Wait, what? Is Turbo Kid a full-length adaptation of the movie Tears for Turbo? Isn't, what? No. Because if you go on Turbo, if you write Turbo Kid into IMDb, there's another listing called sh- a short film called Tears for Turbo, but all its name, all its posters say Turbo Kid, and it looks like the exact same plot. It's got the same directors as well, so yeah, I guess they did turn that into... Yeah, so they they expanded their... They um, Neil Blomkamped themselves. They're Neil Dungan Blomkamped. Yeah, that's got all the same characters and just... More money. Yeah, Connections yeah. remade as Turbo Kid in 2015. All right. Neat. The more you know. Um... Quick side track back, but have you looked at what Cameron Crowe looks like? He's a weird looking man. He looks like um, Oscar Wilde. Yeah. He looks like yeah. he's related to Stephen Fry. Yeah, but like, look of... up images, look up at that sort of classic image of Oscar Wilde, and they look, Cameron Crowe looks the same. Yeah. Or just a touch of Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, yeah, he does have a touch of Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> a touch of Rush. Uh, I'm sorry, but um, the tests are back and you've got a touch of Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> Classic Poots. <laughs> poots and the Bride. Um, what did you think of the first episode of... Weishman? Weishman. Weishman. Um, Hello, this is Weishman. <laughs> it's my Jewish accent. Oof. Um, I mean, I love it. Keep it going. Let's develop this Keep character. Keep it going to the guys in the back. <laughs> um, give it up to the poots in the back. I've got the poots page still open. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. She hot. Um, I, I like the second episode more, but... I haven't seen it yet. I was. I didn't know it was out. Yeah, I was. I will stream that <laughs> legally. Yes, um, because it's available in New Zealand right now. No questions asked. It actually is. It's not important. Wait, do I? I do I? I think I can stream that legally. <laughs> oh well. Which is exactly what I was going to do before. Um, it's got the right kind of energy that I you kind of wanted from the Watchmen world like it feels like it's part of the actual comic book but obviously well, I like it's got the tone it, right it, it, I don't know what the comic series is around the original series were like but I like that this is like what did the world look like afterwards and 90% of it is people heard what they were saying but they didn't quite hear it right yeah yeah 
and because of that, the world's kind of no better off. It did a better job of, yeah, Manhattan is a complete anomaly and no one can explain it. But everyone else yeah, it, who toes the line in terms of playing that superhero vigilante card is just a person who likes and is comfortable with wearing a mask and beating the shit out of people, but they don't actually have any real skills. Yeah, and like in the South. And yeah, Tulsa they all, of all places. They all grouped behind Rorschach without actually understanding what Rorschach was about. Which but. is fantastic because that's what um, Alan Moore used to criticize about people's love for Rorschach. It was like, you're getting behind the wrong person. He wasn't a good person. Um, that's no, why he wore the and, mask. And he only he, ever saw what he wanted to see. That was the point of him wearing the Rorschach mask. Yeah. Um, and and um, what's the what's the actor's name that's playing the Looking Glass? Yeah. Um, Tim Blake Nelson. Dude is that's a, yeah. He's great in the episode too as well. Um, yeah. Who um, like his accent by the way is legitimate. Apparently he's from Tulsa. Oh, yeah, I, I always just assumed that was his own voice because I've never heard him do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, great. Uh, Regina King is fucking dope in this. Like, she wins awards like nobody's business for whenever she does appear in things. Because she's one of the voices of um, uh, the Boondocks, right? Oh, That's where she got started, I thought. You might be right. I just wouldn't have a clue. It's not where she got started. She was in all those old school um, Spike Lee joints throughout the years. Ah, okay. But yeah, she's from yeah she's Riley from um, she's both of them actually. She's Riley and Huey, same person. Oh fuck, that's cool. Yeah. So whenever I started seeing her name pop up, I was like, oh yeah, I feel like I know her from somewhere, and yeah, it was Boondocks. But it's really cool that obviously that she's worked with what's his name Damon Lindelof before on Leftovers and The Strain as well. So because he was what, ex- um, executive producer on The Strain, wasn't he, with Del Toro? I never watched that. I thought you did. The zombie Strain. show, the what? zombie um, a vampire show with um, Corey Stoll, the guy from uh, what's that? Kevin Spacey president show called whatever that is. Oh, um, fucking. I'm blanking on that name right away. No, I can't remember that either. I remember someone making a joke about it. Oh, he's a. Yeah. He works for the um, Center of Disease Control. CDC. CDC, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it it was really just strong-handed like uh vampires would just sort take a swing at you and cut like an entire slash clean out of your body yeah yeah and there, there were different strains right. of different vampires and each one was kind of different in their own way um, like it was that. a mutation i i think i got about four or five episodes deep yeah I I only, i've only done the first it. season um but i oh know it was the other guy attached to lost that produce that Carlton Cuse with Del Toro on that one but it had all the kind of similar players people that they brought in for that but yeah but yeah I mean she's fucking great in this in Watchmen 
does so are any are there going to be any people with powers um dr manhattan is is confirmed to appear at some point um same with the second silk specter and obviously we've got osmond dias um but beyond are they, that, are they pulling the characters or no what's that you cut out there are they pulling the snyder universe characters no, no, it's uh, straight from the comics, not the um, film. But, yeah, they've just confirmed Manhattan, Silk Spectre, and Osmond Dice are the only ones to appear, and they reference Night Owl as a vigilante, apparently, um, but have said that they're not going to appear, but that's just classic. Um, Lindelof just confirm, not confirming, uh, or, you know, not admitting what is actually going to happen because everything he does is based on the idea of mystery. Um, yeah. But in the second episode, they do a really good, um, uh, not parody, but like a soft reference to the Zack Snyder version of um, of Watchmen. They've got the show within the show, American Hero Story. And it's all, oh, yeah, it's yeah. all shot in super slow-mo and like sped up bloody violent um set pieces of people just like being absolutely devastated by just normal men normal men who are punching their way through problems nice. and with like the same sort of um intense rorschach style dialogue going over top yeah yeah um but they do have, have you have you heard anything like where it's supposed to go um that it's only nine episodes that it is going to, going to be one season that it is going to be like beginning middle end three episode three episodes three episodes kind of approach um but the, okay. all i know is that it is dealing with the, the um people trying to potentially reincite the tulsa race rights in the modern day to trigger a particular event and whether or not that ties into um jeremy irons character as ozymandias trying to potentially recreate dr manhattan or the events that created him or trying to figure out how to bring him back to earth for whatever reason right but they're not really talking about uh, yeah it's all pretty up in the air at the moment there's lots of in the second episode i won't spoil anything for you but there's lots of hints that you're not actually sure where osmondias is in regards to living yeah. out in the manor and stuff like he he um gallops up to a tree on his way back to his um mansion and plucks a tomato from a tree and eats it which is like tomatoes don't grow on trees what the hell are you what the hell have you grown here Oh. Um, and I don't know if that's playing into his genetic kind of um, his genetic engineering that he toyed with, you know, because he had that that cat um, in the comics and in the Best movie that it, he had. Wasn't it? What's that? Best it. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether or not he's just been tinkering with things at that um, genetic level again, or whether or not he's not where he thinks, or not where you think he is. Because I, my first thought were his, his maid and his butler were robots or something. Yeah, or um, artificial life of some kind. But he's, Cause second episode, lays it very are... clear that he's obsessed with Dr. Manhattan still. Um, he refers to them as, he gets them to play in The Watchmaker's Son, the play that he wrote. He gets them to play John and his, and his wife. Yeah, I wonder when he said The Watchmaker's Play, I was thinking, is that, um, so it is like, him yeah wanting to retell him to himself 
thingy's life. And all of the servants across the entire um, entire mansion are all clones. Um, all of the servants in the mansion are all clones of the same two people, or all like copies of the same man and woman. Oh, they take them. Some of them take their masks off at the end of the episode, and you're like, oh dang, it's all just the same person over and over again. Because he kills one of he kills the guy um, at the end of the episode. Yeah, I was waiting up- for that in the in the first episode. I was like, I yeah. can see him hurting one of these people out of frustration no he just does it nonchalantly and then um points at a new one who makes a very good suggestion which is like a very basic suggestion and he rewards him by saying do you want to be the new him okay um it's like good first things first take this body down to the cellar with the others um yeah so he's so he's a bit fucked in the head and there were I read somewhere that people are not quite sure whether or not he is actually Osmondia, so he might be Manhattan on Mars, toying with the concept of trying to create life, which oh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't buy. But no, um, I I would have said he would be fascinated by Manhattan because Manhattan takes from him like his whole vision of himself as the perfect man. Well, the brilliant thing about the original ending is that he can, like, his grand plan that he was obviously able to trick a god and the god couldn't see it coming um, despite being able to see in all directions, but Manhattan still cuts him down and just says nothing ever nothing ever um, ends and calls out that it's too late that no matter what you did, it still doesn't really matter. Um, it's all going to come back around. And but then he, he just did, t- teleports off Earth. He he did hit once he hears what um, Ozymandias wanted to do. He agrees that it's the best course of action. Yeah, yeah, that he um, could see that it would work. But when Ozymandias tried to get validation in the fact that they like he had actually indefinitely saved humanity, he's like, no, like I've actually seen the real end, and this isn't it. So. Um, your plan was it's going to work I'm going to do what you think I'm going to do but um, everything else is already kind of laid out that it's too late and that kind of you see Ozymane dies kind of just get crushed a little bit as John teleports away from what I remember in it yeah yeah. I I, I always got the sense that he hated him because he made him um, he, he made him feel weak because he'd spent his whole life being the best human being he'd ever heard of mm, mm. and then this other thing turns up that is beyond not... anything he could hope to hope to become yeah and that it happened to not already the greatest human reaching that evolutionary stage and becoming a god it, it happened to just an yeah, everyman he didn't, he yeah. didn't go on to the next level he just was like oh no there's a better one yeah, and you could argue that it, he came about because, obviously, circumstance, but the fact that, yeah, he understood how, you know, the watch was made, so he was able to piece himself back together from that idea, whereas Ozymandias might have understood how to do such a thing as well, but never actually connected to it in the same way. That if the I, same I events happened to him, he, is, yeah. I would have said his fascination with the watch 
would be to try and repeat the experience for himself. Yeah. And that's what it seems like he's trying to work towards in some some way, but you don't really get a good insight as to his motivations beyond him um, putting on the play, which shows the creation of Dr. Manhattan in the chamber and everything right. in a really cheesy way, but you don't actually understand what he's trying to achieve. Oh, yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, because I just... His whole thing to me was always that he's trying to pretend he's better than everyone else, but... I think when it comes down to it, he'd just be jealous. Yeah. He's insecure. And he, yeah. Why I would... I'm not sure I would believe that he would immediately be a, like somebody who's prescient, prescient of something about to happen and trying to work out how to stop it. Mm-hmm. Beyond the first time that he was able to do that, but like... Because I, I assumed he was in exile because he got his job done in the first place. He caused the giant um, octopus explosion in Times Square. Yeah, and it's still not clear what he... like. Because in the first episode, you see a newspaper which says that he's dead. Um, but then there's those... Yes, there's... Um, it rains baby squids all over the world at the same time, randomly. Yeah. And no one has an explanation for it. And he doesn't seem to be responsible for it because he's stuck in his own little bubble doing his own thing. And it's not really yeah. explained yet whether or not that's just a genuine side effect or if it's something the government are continuing to do in some way to uphold his it, his idea of an actual impending threat. When was there he actually doing isn't that one. on the behalf of the US government? I don't think so, but he it's not really it, explained. He just, if, he just did it himself. But it's not really no. explained whether or not he told everyone or told people. It's hard to say whether or not he did genuinely trigger an event through an, an interdimensional being or not. Because um, he just genetically engineered a squid monster, right? It wasn't actually an yeah, alien. Yeah, and it, it was never actually alive. It, it just arrived and exploded. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, he just told everyone that it was a psychic event that um, they attacked them. Yeah, it's it basically just a giant special effects show. Yeah. Um, but it, it's... Um, yeah, second episode, really. It doesn't do anything more than just continue to tell the story that started in episode one, but fuck, it's really well done. I, I liked how the first episode seemed kind of humble. Yeah. Like it... It, it it brought you in, but it didn't it didn't jam everything down your throat. Didn't try to oversell anything. Didn't over-explain anything. It just presented a world. Yeah, and it it that episode didn't even necessarily need to be like the first episode. I don't know. I just liked the way it it felt watching it. Mm. It's very leftovers, which I like. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not going to. It's very quick to the um, the reveal as to why things are the way they are. Like if something gets kind of hinted at at the start of the episode, you'll understand it by the end of the episode. Yeah, which I like, especially it's not traditionally Lindelof style. <laughs> they've, they've learned very quickly and very hard <laughs> on the idea that you can't just build it up over season over season and expect people just to keep tuning in for the sake of tuning in. Well, I mean... Um... Fucking, what's his name? Hasn't 
Lindelof's. Uh, uh, JJ Abrams. Yeah. Who, who still seems to think you can just go mystery box, mystery box? Look, everyone. Yeah. How do we pad this out? I know. Let's just rehash an existing plot from something else, and people will enjoy the nostalgia. Yeah, I like that. That was the they've learned from it though. That it, it was a catalyst for new form of television or new form television, where because there's so much content out there, you can't afford to not just tell a story quickly and effectively. If you try to tease it out, yeah. you're not going to actually get people hooked in unless they're trying to watch an adaptation of something they've known before it was on TV. Yeah, and I like that um, <laughs> you can see that Disney's concerned because all the new Star Wars advertising says this one will actually create a through plot that the other two movies didn't have to tie the trilogy together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because fucking abrams doesn't know how to do anything other than imply that things will continue to grow in the future and like the trailers like the latest trailers still don't do me any like bring me any no. sense of calm that he's doing anything more than just do, redoing return of the jedi like there's even a forest planet like come on yeah i don't think i don't think abrams does anything like that did you like the last jedi i liked it more than the force awakens uh i i was a style, very, but the story i was like i don't really care about star wars stories anyway because they're not really good stories yeah from what i read i was like one of the only people that thought that what they did with luke was kind of cool yeah though so, um I don't really know how to feel about that. Well, they're just, yeah, I think people are just genuinely upset that they didn't get to explore 30 plus years of him actually coming to, like, understand and play with the Force in a real way. You just got presented with, like, a, oh, yeah, well, you saw it last saw me 30 years ago and nothing has happened. I literally just accidentally beat my dad (laughs) Um, through, like, sheer anger and will, not from any real skill. Um, 30 years later, I've got all the skill in the world, but you don't get to see any of it or how I got here. So probably people feel cheated in that regard. It's like, uh, well, you know, it has been 30 years. You can't expect him to. Yeah, I mean, the entire... What other story can you tell at this point? But it it was... was, They they seem to... I mean, Star Wars is pretty chronic for that, where it just dances around the most interesting story elements that are referred to in its own series and it never actually includes those in the movies yeah it's all just um mysticism and historical events that no one really captured properly because um the people that you're actually following in the story don't have a real stake in the game except when they're told they do yeah um so and- there's no real recorded history of what's happened or um yeah when, and Ray and Ren are not characters. Like the 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 best character in this whole franchise, in the the whole modern trilogy, is um, John Boyega's character. Mm, mm. He's he actually be... has an arc. Yeah. Um, and if anything, it's getting hampered by his involvement with the other people, the other characters. Yeah. 
Um, you you yeah. stop getting to learn and follow his journey because you're focusing on this um, emotionally kind of stunted journey between these two characters that know they're ridiculously powerful, know they're living up to an expectation they've set for themselves, um, but um, and then feel that the need to call everyone else out on what they're doing. They're just not really relatable. But they don't. Like, you only care about them because you, they've you, got the force, which is like the main driving plot point of all of these movies is magic, magic Jedi powers. Yeah, well, they're only the main characters because they're presented to you as the main characters. Mm. There's, it's it's like uh, the new trilogy is like they. They're like, okay, we've nailed the aesthetic and we're making the movies. What about everything else? No, no, we've nailed the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks much like how those EA Star Wars games were like, fuck, well, they look like you're playing Star Wars. <laughs> the end, right? Yeah, and then when you actually play them, you're like, oh, this is, yeah. this is just consumerized trash yeah. that has no actual heart to it. I do like that it's um, now presented in a, like, back to the audience is like ah oh, you know what when the prequels showed us the day-to-day um warmongering uh diplomatic aspects of the jedi operating in a real world and doing tasks that they feel should be assigned to them it's like yeah that that is what i enjoy seeing because that's where you see some growth and some investigation and some um plotting and um, engagement with their fellow people like you know, all the clones clone wars tv series were following jedi obviously but they'd follow them during events and working in in amongst yeah, in, things in as opposed to just reacting most, to things like, and telling them that you're special and you need to do this special thing because you're special yeah and it was it was interesting but mm. there was no um the movies itself that it's all based off of uh there's no substance to them yeah They're, yeah I mean, you just have to look at those red letter media reviews where it's just people going. Yeah, but Jedi. Fucking trick or treaters are coming up and bashing on the door just because they've seen me in my bedroom that faces the road. I don't have anything for you. Go away. Um, sorry. The the prequel movies were the result of a very lazy director that didn't really give a rat fuck. Mm. So all the characters are sitting down on couches talking quietly the entire time. Not even at the, and at even, each other. They're not even in the same room half the time. Yeah. And everyone's like running and stopping when they enter scenes. Like this is a hectic scene. So we sprint into scene and then once we hit center camera on the green screen, yeah. we stop moving because there's nowhere physical further for us <laughs> yeah. to run. And, um, and it all comes down to his lack of willing to be anything but comfortable in an air-conditioned studio on the back of his yeah. branch where he can just live um, and be comfortable. He should have just nominated somebody to do it for him. Yeah. And he should have just overseen it as an exec. Like the technology yeah, at the time could have facilitated them sending him dailies via the internet from where he like he could have watched things in real time if somebody else was filming it in in the desert or wherever the fuck they decided to film it. Yeah, like he could sit in California and be like, "Oh yeah, that looks good. I'm happy with that." 
you, you, there's also always been that argument that he never had any idea what made those movies good. No, no. Because they were all saved in post by people that had better artistic direction than him. Yeah, yeah. I guess he was the one in the field that actually got the shots, but as I understand it, all his scripts were pretty trash. Yeah, and hammy, and what I think shit. if he had his way, he would have delivered something that was truly, like, properly spaghetti and properly, like campy and um not at all serious yeah yeah and the new ones are just written by committee so they're all like what can we get everyone is it's it's like what i think i experience with some of our corporate clients at work where it's like they're not actually delivering products. They're hitting key dates on a timeline, yep. which has been yeah. set out before the project was actually created. They're all driven by and, fear. Yeah. And, and what you're doing is you're just achieving things by time stamps. You're not actually, you, there's, there's nobody behind it all going, I'm the creative one. This is what I think should happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the only time they did that was the, the second of the three movies, which was they put a guy in charge who, from what I could tell, just said he took the term subvert, expe- subvert expectations literally yeah. and just did the opposite of what everyone expected. Yeah. Every single decision. Yeah. Yeah. Spend 90% and, of the film watching a plane slowly collide into another plane. <laughs> Yeah, I liked that as a concept. Yeah, it was just... But for me, that could have been better served as just a standalone movie like Rogue One. That yeah, was maybe yeah, yeah. an hour 40. Not make it, try not try to make it um, your Death Star moment. Yeah. I mean, have they actually managed to make a, a Star Wars movie yet that didn't include a... A Death Star blowing up. <laughs> yeah, or a, a giant laser fucking shit up or a giant spaceship yeah well on the new trailer they're hinting that um what palpatine's been building is a is a, an entire fleet of death star destroyers where he's just like slapping the death star onto destroyers so they can move around and blow up planets without having to go like without being restricted to where they're sitting in space which is like yeah that's what he should have built the first fucking time <laughs> the death star was was always mobile yeah I, I, they yeah I think they've lost that entire concept that it ever was. But, uh, and that is, um, that's still just stealing content from the extended universe. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm high 80s percent confident that that was a thing that people already already written before. Mm. Well, that's what they're doing, right? They're just pulling from um, canonized, established content that Lucas Arts has access to and just be like, well, okay, everything's been designed at this point. Let's just pick and choose what we want to it was, it's the it's the stuff made by um random fans that isn't part of the canon mm. that they don't have to pay for because it can't achieve copyright. Yeah, exactly. That's where they're pulling all their ideas from. It's, it's just classic we you know, we've got a plan and we've got ideas and we've got a vision and actually they just take everything they can for free and cobble it together and then try and sell action figures and take that fuck you, you'll buy it anyway approach. Yeah, exactly. Um, but 
rather think, than take the approach of finding the people that design these things and be like inviting them to join the party essentially and say, well, you had great ideas, come on board and let's work out. But Kathleen Kennedy has to be on the way to the chop. Because look how badly she's done compared to Kevin Feige. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, if you stack those two things up against each other, compared and to what Kevin you spent Feige on Marvel. And Kevin Feige didn't have, as I understand it, as much control as she did. Not until... Um, She'd be more like Kevin Feige's boss level, right? Uh, yes, she's the head of Lucasfilm. So she, he, he wasn't the head of Marvel. He was just like the creative lead for the... The yep. Up until about the end of Age of Ultron, those, that period of the first like twelve movies, there was a Marvel executive committee which was led by Ike Perlmutter, who like shot down the idea of Black Panther and Captain Marvel because no one would watch them. Um, completely scrapped the idea of a female bad guy in Iron Man three uh, because female toys don't sell. He um, completely forced recuts of like Iron Man two and Thor two and um avengers 2 where you get all these random plot points just driven in and all the um the bad guy archetypes and stories being cut down to being very bare bones so you can see a massive oh. difference between you know watching mickey rock as whiplash and iron man 2 and barely seeing him compared to the amount of um character development you got with like daniel Brawl's character in captain america or um killmonger's character in black panther yeah. Now we're getting Killmonger, real... who was a better main character than um, yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, and based on all like how all of the people attached to those earlier films talk, that's exactly how they were able to land such big names at the start because that's how they were designed, filmed, like written and filmed. But it, by the time it got to the cutting room, that creative committee was just like, "Nah, cut that. We don't like that. I want you to set up the next film. I want you to do this. I want you to do this," and not actually. Yeah. So Kevin Feige said he'd walk if they didn't split Marvel Studios from um, the MCU or Marvel Studios from Marvel TV, which is why the Marvel TV series suck compared to... And they they just put it all under Feige. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they they rerouted his his line manager. So rather than him reporting to the executive committee, they had him report straight to Bob Iger, the head of Disney. Right. And so he was able to make proper executive decisions about the the current state of the MCU films compared to that old world where things just kind of got hashed together in really ugly and unsatisfying ways, but people still watch them because they were them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the biggest things was say, them saying that, yeah, one particular guy saying that Black Panther wouldn't make any money and it went on to become like the highest grossing single film out of them all until the Avengers movies. Yeah. It won't make any money. There's no market for it. No, there is a market that's been starving for it for years yeah. and you've just never paid attention to them or yeah. believe they were worth your time. Learn the difference. That's such a yeah. Hollywood thing to do. But yeah, the um the the female character in Iron Man three was meant to be the Mandarin. But they changed it to Guy Pierce in the last, like, during production because they didn't. Oh, really? Because that one guy said, no, I don't want a female bad guy. Female bad guys don't sell toys. Neither does action figures of just Guy Pierce without <laughs> with a, a costume. With a, with a dragon tattoo and no shirt on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
or um or or what's his name and then just a costume saying shit like groovy dude what's his name uh, uh played played gandhi in a movie oh yeah trevor slattery ben kingsley ben kingsley yeah so yeah i was, I, yeah. I was actually disappointed when he wasn't a real bad guy because he seemed really cool yeah uh, and they did a very I good job of to s- talk to yeah he was, such, was such extremely a um it's very a very topical villain where he's like no i'm i'm a terrorist yeah and it was those very early those very early marvel movies where the trailers were better than the films now the trailers deliver exactly what you expect and when you go and watch it, you're like yeah that's exactly what i expected but stretched out over three hours where it was like the age of ultron trailer and the iron man 3 trailers were like set up this insanely dark crazily effective bad guy and then when you watch it you're like oh okay it's just all punchlines and and Joss Whedon quips everywhere. I, I don't foresee any reason why it wouldn't be awesome. Well, it's um, Kojima acting with complete autonomy, right? Creating yeah. the game he always wanted to create. I'm I'm genuinely surprised it didn't get delayed. Well, no, it just goes to show that the delays behind all the Metal Gear Solid releases were never about him perfecting something. It was probably the... It, committee at large shitting on him and telling him to change things or shifting well, targets I, no, or, or I, that I think it was or slowing things down enough that he didn't trying to perfect it the yeah. problem was in this instance he was never pushed towards a release date yeah yeah that's probably the he, difference right he, he designed one from the outset i think that made sense to his stakeholders and his um product yeah he set his own benchmark for a first release right and if he wants to add dlc or something beyond that then they're well within their remit to do but yeah the actual experience we that he wanted to cre- now, we? we are indeed yeah. yeah yeah cool um i've decided to yeah i'm gonna get a new vr kit i'm gonna get a oculus rift s is that the slim is that ah, the f series the Canyon Arrow F series. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, they're just a, they're a really good priced VR set in New mm. Zealand. Like I, I really wanted a Valve Index, but you just can't get them here yet, and you sort of can if you're willing to try and import one. And depending on how you do it, it may cost you like. A bit, it may cost you almost double the price. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to pay three thousand dollars for something that costs an American nine hundred ninety nine. Yeah, it's ridiculous that they can get away with charging just because of where. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially considering so you lack the support you that you get if you play... were to buy those here. Yeah, and they are quite. Um, they're known to be quite buggy. Yeah, yeah. They tend to break. Um, are you going to play Fallout seventy six ever again? <laughs> I mean, I might jump. Uh, did I uninstall it? I think I did. Um, I might jump into it one more time just to see how different it is compared to the last time I it's played it. Not. I did that already. 
because oh, yeah, they and I, they, I tried to fight three super mutants and none of them animated they just sort of like bugged out at you zoomed towards me without moving i was like really at this point in time when you've introduced npcs and done all of this yeah okay no um no. yeah i'll probably do it one more time for a chuckle and be like <laughs> yeah no um and then i'm i'm i still guarantee one day they will probably dump all the content it has in it yeah, because that's the real issue, right? Is that it's constantly suppressing what it's actually trying to get access to because they've dumped like 50 gigs worth of content on your hard drive but only letting you access a tenth of it. Yeah, and they just they just refuse to admit that they've made a shitty game yeah. that hardly works and they rushed it out. And their CEO's voice has always said, fuck you, you bought it, it's your own fault. It's always been his statement when it comes to the frustrating functionality of Bethesda games. Yeah, yeah. So what no, did you I expect? We make shitty games. Properly huh? on. Well, none of their games work properly on PS3. I'm, I remember that. No, yeah, we used to just put up with it because we loved that world. Um, yeah. But the number of times yeah, you'd freeze those games is just insane. Um, you, you had to incorporate just deleting the the game's save like data, data right? save yeah, file yeah, yeah. every sort of six to eight hours of play routine yeah and god forbid once you got your hands on a um on brotherhood of steel uniform um the yeah. the, the power armor you know, you're just going to be buggy out bugging out and laggy the entire time um yeah or if you tried to play the dlc which for the most part barely worked yeah i remember trying to play the pit Oh god, yeah. And then and then to go back and play that that's the part that always pissed me off, going back and playing it on a PC and it just runs perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck? Why bother? Do you what do you think of the uh, Mandalorian? Uh, from what I've seen of it, it looks great. Um and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm hoping it is what I really want it to be, which is just a space western that is so on the fringes of the Star Wars universe, it almost could be its own thing. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, when you when you've got John Favreau involved in it, you've got Taika Waititi directing and writing a couple of the episodes of it, and then you've got Bill Burr in it. Full stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. You hope yeah, it's I'll... it's genuinely gonna, and it's got the budget of a Star Wars film stretched across six or however many episodes. Yeah. Um, which will be it. is it does that make it one of the most expensive tv shows is uh, this approaching game of thrones budget type of shit or no i think it is um but at the same time it's going to pale in comparison towards what disney plus are launching with the marvel tv series which are going to have the budgets of movies stretched across yeah six or eight episodes as well um like there's the falcon and winter soldier tv series there's Scarlet Witch TV series, the Loki TV series, and then a whole bunch of ones that are coming down down the line in like Phase Five, like She Hulk and Miss Marvel, just, and all, yeah. I I refuse to care about those. I don't know whether it's something wrong with me, but that just well, no, and it's a perfectly fair feeling to have in the in the environment that we're in, where you just constantly. Diluted, diluted with too much. Yeah, when you're being diluted, and it literally all comes from Disney. Yeah, we're at the point now where surely there should be some laws against 
that level of ownership, right? But I mean, it's entertainment, yeah. yeah so it's, it's more pervasive. But, it, but when you look at the co- corporate structure of any other, um, any other, you're like surely ownership of all the mainstream media outlets and all of that, right? Yeah, plots and everything should be considered like a monopoly and a little bit more important than just one company owning all of the um, all of the agricultural chemicals and all the drinks and all of the. Um, yeah. All the potential, for, especially if you get into GE territory, where you're um, um, not the light bulb company, the um, concept of engineering, where you potentially get people who own the rights to certain strains of food. Yeah, yeah, well, which is just as dangerous. Which is why we put as many checks and balances as we possibly can on those industries, even though we do a terrible job of it. But yeah, comparatively, <laughs> media is just as damaging, if not more damaging to society <laughs> yeah i don't, don't it's all right we still got south park on the fringes in that china episode i haven't seen that yet uh, did you see mickey uh, mouse just straight HBO up says what the fuck bought- is south park do i own it yet no you don't <laughs> hbo bought their streaming rights for half, half a billion, billion yeah i saw that um and same with rick and morty and a few other things as well uh, which when which rick and mostly- morty's got like X number of um, series confirmed. Um, well, they they confirmed to Harmon that they'd given at least a hundred episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, approved him right up until like eight seasons or something ridiculous. When he's only in his fourth, and he's like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." Well, he because I think what he wanted was to ensure that it would get syndicated. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of an old-fashioned concept when we're in the age of streaming rights right yeah yeah but but when you maintain the actual know. ownership of it and you're dealing with old world media you you do get more money per episode as a result of like residuals after those hundred because uh, then standardized cable companies will just buy up and stream the rights and it won't actually conflict with streaming services ability to show those at the same time but will there be standardized um cable television cable companies in five years no, each of those cable companies will start to uh, launch their own failed versions of streaming services, but really what they're doing is starting to use broad, broadband and yeah. fibre to um, deliver their TV shows in a way that they want you to watch rather than actually having a streaming service. But Crazy still trying to get you to pay $20 a month. We're doing all over again because we, we all... Like, we didn't have it here, obviously, but we watched the Americans do... Um, where, like, everyone was releasing their own set-top box. Yeah. And it collapsed because everyone was like, no, we don't want to have a million different boxes and a million different subscriptions just to watch all the mainstream shows. And what did it do? It proliferated piracy. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to have, oh, that's the, that's the, um, the devil in the detail, right? That, you know, that's why Disney kind of has that monopoly because people want to be able to go to one place to watch everything. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably a very intelligent decision on their part. Yeah. But I think HBO is still considered like the best in adult age group entertainment. It's definitely got the best um, perception, the best brand when it comes to that sort of stuff. So when they buy up something, it adds value to what you've made. Yeah. By default as well. Now that, like Rick and Morty's a Netflix show, right? But they've. Um, by being added so to they're HBO, gonna the leave like... HBO and uh, Netflix in New Zealand. 
Uh, no, well, HBO Go is available in New Zealand, isn't it? It's its own thing here that you can get into. Nah, no, no, because um, in in Australasia, Foxtel I think oh, owns yeah. their rights to HBO shows, so they. Oh we yeah, and then Lightbox on owns Sky. the rights to um, a lot of the HBO content. Like Lightbox had Game of Thrones for a while, didn't it? And um, Veep, technically. Yeah, but they like only had distribution I think rights. Yeah. It was all just a deal just to get them Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but in in Australasia, it's all down to Sky or whatever, and they. Yeah. That's why Sky has like Soho, which is. Uh, yeah, HBO, their version. It's not called HBO. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with HBO, but I mean, Disney Plus is coming. Watch some Treme marathons. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure it's good. I just don't care. Um, or oh, Disney Plus is launching as its own thing here. So is the Apple one, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I care about the Apple one. They're throwing a fuckload of money at certain things, though, but they're also not developing content that has smoking or content that has nudity or something ridiculous. They've got some weird, weird um, rules in place for what their streaming services is and isn't going to do. Like, it's only going to succeed because that's what Apple does. Terrifies me is the like undercurrent to the future is that all of these companies will never risk their bottom line for the sake of being provocative. Yeah, but I mean, all of these things were built on the idea of being provocative, whereas you've got Apple, which seems to be yeah. the outlier in the case where it's only using its entire brand to enforce what it thinks people should and shouldn't expect from their bottom line, which is ridiculous. Um, they're is trying Disney to impose... different than that, are they? Well, they are and they aren't. Disney has some hardcore shit out there, depending on what streaming service it's on. Um, right. So they're not afraid. It just like I think they followed the Fox approach, 20th century Fox approach, very well. Where if it's not fit for their main brand, they'll put it onto like FFX or FX or FXX, where they can still technically produce and create this content they own, but it's not technically um, imposing on their brand. Which I mean, from the Fox yeah. Fox merger, I don't think Disney got the rights to FX. So like it's always only oh, okay. in Philadelphia is still owned by its own thing. I'm not too sure. West Philadelphia. <laughs> but yeah. Um all right, I've got to go eat. But we can uh, we can wrap this little ditty up. This has been the, the thick boys bro dick. <laughs> bro dick. <laughs> <laughs> never never connect those words together again. <laughs> uh this has been Peak Poots. Um has been wide shot. And in response to the question, um Basically, all the high-budget episodes to things are just syndicated sitcoms that had really high cast budgets. Yeah, right, right. So, like, Game of Thrones is number one, but then literally everything else is basically not about... The budget of um, the actual quality of the show, yeah. but... The, like, number the seven is Big Bang Theory, a fucking three-set sitcom. With low overhead, but high talent, high, high um, cost, cost just, to the talent, just, right? It's just actors that all of a sudden get really expensive to keep on staff because they know that you can't do the show without. But I mean, when you're doing 30 episodes and a season as opposed ER to the standard trials, yeah, yeah. And what was it, Till Death, which did like 80, 80 episodes a season or something ridiculous? And it had like. Who? 
till death that oh, that terrible Brad Garrett show where they slowly replaced um, everyone around him except Brad Garrett. They were doing like um, 40 or 50, 60 episodes a season at one point. And none of it was good. Was it? Oh no, it only had 81 episodes, but I feel like they just slammed them out in a very short period of time. Brad Garrett. Uh, maybe it didn't, but what am I thinking of? There's something that just kept slamming episodes out. Like, why? Why? Yeah. I don't know. You always get those like same way Tim Allen's got that sitcom where he works and he, like has a podcast and runs a Good <laughs> yeah, and he's like Republican or something, and that's the gist of his character, that he's surrounded by Democrats or something. But it's, I guess it's just you have to recognize that there are actually people that really love that type of yeah. shit. And I mean, in the conclusion... the same ones that were super excited for Roseanne to be back. Yeah, but I mean, in conclusion, yeah. Tim Allen sucked dick for coke. There's your Republican... <laughs> But it's okay because Galaxy. Not that Republican. He's just an LA piece of shit. Yeah. But I mean, end of the day, Galaxy Quest was a great movie. And we'll hear nothing of it. Um, it was. All right. This has been Wide Shirt. I've been it's your host, been, yeah. GC. He's been your host, Logan. And vice versa. Yeah. Uh, hit us up on the usual places and the Twitters and you know, wideshirtpod.com and subscribe. And uh, yeah, users have been holding steady. So that's quite cool. See our subscribers hey. maintain despite our infrequency of. Uh, we're currently hitting like an every two weeks kind of format now. Yeah, yeah. And we can probably it's... do it on the rigs because he's on the rags. Yeah. We're, we're slightly... Are we more life-stable now? I think we're more life-stable now. We're complaining about kids coming up to our house on Halloween and buying barbecues, so <laughs> I think we're, we're set. True, true. <laughs> we, was, basically, was I thinking we, before? Um, we need this Are little... we actually at points in our careers now where we can like discuss things on our podcast from um, point of views of actual expert knowledge yeah it's i like, think no, we can i don't think we no. still can can we no can we we can try would we do that i don't know but we need this podcast now more than ever <laughs> we really do <laughs> all right this has been right. watch it we out house